If you like fast-paced adventure stories, colorful characters, and some really weird plots, then I've got just a story for you. Kana Cold is a brand new urban fantasy series written by yours truly, author Casey Hunter. And it follows the adventures of a spitfire who dropped out of Harvard to start a paranormal investigation company. The first year or so of cases for Kana were mostly hoaxes. Fake light shows, people lying about seeing ghosts, squeaky pipes in the attic, all of those things that you see on those fake paranormal shows on television. But all of that changed when she met the McNeils and their daughter, Melody. You see, Melody was plagued by a nasty demon from Eastern mythology known as a Shinigami. Ever since that case, Kana's world has been opened up to the truly wild, scary, and insane universe of the real paranormal underground. You can get a free copy of the story Kana Cold, Case of the Shinigami, by going to www.aoestudios.com and signing up for a free book. No purchase necessary. Just go to the website www.aoestudios.com and get all the information and start the series today. The first novel in the series is already available. It's titled The Reaping of the Black Grimoires, novel number one. It's on Kindle and subsequent stories will be coming every two to three months. And if you're in Kindle Unlimited, you can, of course, read for free as the entire Kana Cold series will be available for KU subscribers. Again, go to www.aoestudios.com right now and sign up for your free copy and enjoy the wacky, dark, and sometimes humorous world of Kana Cold. Hey guys, what's going on? And this is the first edition, the first episode, episode one of the Wonderfully Weird Podcast. Real people in an unreal world. And uh, this is an introductory episode. My name's Casey Hunter. I am, the, of course, the proprietor of this podcast. I'm also many, many different things. Um, nine to five is as a programmer. I also do oil painting. I'm also a writer. We'll talk about that a lot. Uh, in this episode, uh, I do landscaping, cooking, all kinds of stuff. I have very, a varied amount of interest, as they say. And one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to do this podcast. So I did one a while ago, a couple years ago. Uh, I did a podcast that was just basically talking about random stuff. Um, it really didn't have much of a direction. It was just me talking about stuff. <laughs> Every week, uh, kind of what this episode is going to be a little bit like, but there is going to be some direction to it. Um, so you're probably wondering, why is this podcast called The Wonderfully Weird? Um, and when I'm saying wonderfully weird here, we're going to be talking about some unusual things with real people in the world. Because if there's anything at, at this stage in my life, and I'm not terribly old, but I am old and I'm old enough at that point where you start to there there are things that you think that everybody knows but when you're talking to people in their 20s they like have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> i'll get to that in a second well, i've gotten to that stage in life and at, at that stage in life you start understanding that there are 
certain things in life that are just weird by nature. Um, again, when I'm saying they're wonderfully weird, I'm not talking about somebody who's dying their hair pink or rebelling against their parents because they think it's cool. I'm talking about people who generally have things that they either want to do or aspects about them that are just a bit off the beaten path because that's very much who I am. Um, it's a lot of people have tried to categorize me. I try to categorize myself. Um, some are probably going to put me in the, uh, what do they call it? The, the intellectual dark web. <laughs> They're going to put me with the, uh, uh, and I, and I, I, I hold to that. I, I identify with that. I mean, a lot of those guys, uh, you know, the Joe Rogans and the Ben Shapiro's and the Jordan Peterson's and that, that ilk. Um, I definitely have, uh, I definitely can empathize with them how, you know, they all have their different, uh, worldviews. All of them are decidedly different, but the one thing they all have in common is they want to be able to talk about things and think that the discussion in Western culture right now, uh, especially in political and social issues, it's just gotten to a point of ridiculousness that you're never going to solve anything. It's not about solving problems. It's about identifying yourself with a, a side and warring against that other tribe that's not like you. Uh, I'm not into that at all. So um, <laughs> that's definitely an aspect of um, my personality. And again, it just comes from being interested in a lot of different things because when you're interested in a lot of different things, you talk to a lot of different people, you get a lot of different experiences in life, and that's just the way you wind up being. You wind up being a person who can kind of see all sides, not because you're trying to, but because you generally do, because you know people and you've had experiences from various different viewpoints. So what I want to do with this podcast uh, going forward is uh, interview people who I know or who I've met who have some pretty extraordinary stories. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be releasing the uh, first batch of interviews we've been doing. Um, some of them involve uh, some medical issues. Uh, there's one lady who has a backwards heart. Um, it was a kind of a medical anomaly for the people at Johns Hopkins that we're going to be talking to. Uh, another person is we're, we're having a long discussion about technology. Um, he has some very interesting ideas about entrepreneurship in the increasingly digital world that we live in. Um, another person, she's a, a, a entrepreneur and a business person herself. And the way she got her business was quite a different route than most people go on. And I'll, again, that episode will be up in a couple weeks and you guys will check that out. All of them are fun interviews. I've listened to them all, obviously, by now. And they're all uh, very curious. But that's what I really want to focus on is people who are doing things and people who have had experiences and just naturally have things that are strange. Now, yeah, some people, yeah, they, you know, they have tattoos and piercings and stuff like that. That's that's all fine and good. Uh, some people are just normal, everyday people next door who just have some really crazy situation that happened to them um, that most people don't know about. And when you hear about them, you go, man, that's kind of weird, you know. So that's what I want to talk about. But you notice there's a lot of entrepreneurship in there because another aspect of my personality, and I think. I mainly get this from my father who passed a couple years ago, uh, just looking back at my life and thinking about it. But uh, he was he ran his own business and um, he had a entrepreneurial spirit from what I remember. And I think I, I definitely have that. My sister definitely has that, too. Um, and it's just kind of funny the way we kind of go about things. We, we are kind of like a balance between our two parents because my mother is far more practical and far more by the book. 
and you know kind of you know you want to have a job at a place and and get employment and, and you better take care of that you know whereas my dad was uh you know again he had his own his own business so it's funny talking to my sister how both of us are kind of doing both <laughs> at the same time um as i mentioned before i have a nine to five that definitely pays the bills uh but i definitely want to expand into other things one of the things i'm expanding to or have seriously been thinking about for the past couple of years. Um, my main focus is right now with my writing career. I also have YouTube channels. I have five YouTube channels that I, you know, make videos for in varying degrees, depending on my mood at the time. Uh, they cover a variety of topics and everything from learning how to code to paranormal weird stuff to talking about mixed martial arts and pro wrestling to talking about movies and TV shows. So again, wide variety of interests there. That's, you know, that's what you're going to get on this show. But the writing right now is a big thing. And the weird thing about this, and, and a lot of people are going to hear this who are probably aspiring authors themselves. And um, I would classify myself, if I had to classify myself as an indie author or a self-publisher or whatever. Um, I did have a deal a long time ago um, with a small, small press and what I found was things did not quite go the way I thought they were going to go and didn't make too much out of it. Uh, I tried to do indie publishing. This is the weird thing about it. This is one of those, man, I had that idea and then somebody, and then I gave up on it and somebody else did it. And then I was like, uh, but I actually have the technically my first self publishing thing was back in 2011 and it really wasn't any good. And, you know, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I knew that you could, you know, do this, thing on Amazon where you can make books and sell them. And I was like, okay, well, I can just do that. Um, it's not that simple. And I think today a lot of people still think there, there's a ton of books online that people still are operating under that methodology and it's not really good. Now, for some of you out there, you have a lot of people really honestly have no idea about this whole boom in the self-publishing world. Um, I think they still think it's kind of like vanity publishing. So vanity publishing was like back in the day, like there was a vanity press and some of those, and they still exist today where they ba basically they're kind of scams because what they'll do is they'll go to somebody who's a writer, writers will be looking for agents and they're looking for publishing companies and submit their work and they'll submit their work to a place that looks like a publishing company. But what they wind up sending back to you is this thing where they say, Hey, if you pay us, you know, five thousand, ten thousand dollars, whatever, we'll publish your book for you. We, you, but they tell it to you in a way like they've accepted you, like you've been accepted. Basically, they accept anybody who sends them anything. But they'll say you've been accepted and chosen to be part of our team, and blah 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 blah. And they'll have the author pay the money, and then they'll take the money, and they'll do a very minimal push on putting. They'll put the book out there and stuff, but you get no. It's not what you want to do. Kind of, and then if you have a contract with them, it's really bad because you get kind of stuck. I fortunately avoided that, but I went with a small press back probably about 10 or 12 years ago. And the small press wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And books not even available anymore. Thank God, because uh, the book wasn't that good either. Uh, but a couple years ago, I, I uh, found uh, I was looking online and I was doing my YouTube channels and they were doing really well. And I was advertising them through Facebook. And it's just this confluence of things where. I saw uh, I was doing Google searches on trying to do it in a better way because I really wanted to do it professionally. I didn't want to. I was like, there's got to be a way to professionally do this. We have so many services now available in the digital world. You should be able to do a professional book nowadays. And that's when I came across this guy called Mark Dawson. 
and the uh, floodgates pretty much opened up from there. Dawson is probably one of the biggest names in the indie publishing, self-publishing space. Um, guys made millions of dollars doing it. And he did essentially, and it, like I said before, it's one of those things where I had that idea, but I didn't do it. And he had the same idea about a couple years after I did it. And then, but he actually went through and doing it. And now he's massively successful at it. So that goes to show you right there. Um, anytime you have an idea, don't give up on your ideas. Go really try to hone and craft them because your your really good idea probably is a good idea and it's probably along the right way, but you're probably not honing it or crafting it or researching it in the right way. But he did the same thing I was thinking about doing. He used Facebook ads to market his books. And again, back then, six, seven, eight years ago, when he started doing this, Facebook ads were a lot cheaper. <laughs> and I remember I look at some of the old Facebook ads I have in my uh, console now on Facebook. And it's like you get like hundreds of thousands of, of impressions for like five dollars. You can't you can barely get 200 impressions for five dollars these days on Facebook. But man, it was a gold mine back then. And he took advantage of it. So did a couple of other authors. And uh, he's made himself a pretty nifty career. He's got a lot of books. Uh, out he's making a lot of money he's teaching courses and that's where i came in is i saw that he had a course i was skeptical about it because i'm skeptical about everything i'm probably a little bit too overly skeptical about things but i wanted to check him out and uh just see if this was legit because there's so many of these amway kind of things going on and there are in a self-publishing world there's a lot of amway kind of there's that amway side to the self-publishing world that's kind of weird so for those of you who don't know Self-publishing, professional self-publishing is a little bit different than what you may think. Like, it's not just somebody writing something up in a PDF and then slapping it uh, some crappy cover on it and putting it up on, on Amazon. There are a ton of books like that out there. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of self-published books out there like that. What I'm talking about when I'm talking about self-publishing, especially professional self-publishing, is really you're doing the job that the publishing houses normally would do. So you... Or either if you're good, not good at art, you're going to go hire a professional artist to do your book cover and somebody who's good at doing book covers that sell because book covers are important for sales. You're going to go hire uh, copy editors and line editors and, and uh, developmental ed editors to kind of craft your book. And a lot of time, there's a lot of editors out there who are people who either, either used to work for one of the big publishers or they're retired or they're trying to do it on the side or they're just out of college or whatever it is. Uh, there are tons of really good professional editors out there who will professionally edit your book for some, you know, for a nominal fee. Now, none of this is cheap. So in order to do this, you really kind of got to be on your P's and Q's and you got to either save up money or have the money to spend on doing it. So there is that there is that kind of barrier to it that, you know, if you're a working class person, it's really not easy to do self-publishing because there is a investment in it. But it is an investment. Um, and since I started, I think it was 2017 and I kind of dabbled around. I wrote a book called The Brothers Lock and just put it out there just to see if I could get this thing working. And it, it, it did what it needed to do, but I didn't realized I needed to kind of hone my craft a little bit more because the kind of books I was writing, the, the, the readership has, has changed from the kind of the way I used to write books. And my editors have, uh, and I've had two really good editors since I've been doing this the last two years. Uh, they have really, you know, kind of steered me in the right direction. Got like that. The way you're writing is not the what's selling now. 
So um, it, it did take about a year for me to kind of readjust my writing style. And I'm still readjusting it and still improving, still growing and learning with this thing. But it's an exciting and fun thing. And you make money doing it. And I've made a decent amount of money in the past uh, couple of months because in January, I decided to start doing it for real. So the kind of cold series is like, all right, I'm going to do this and really do this and really put effort into it and treat it like a business as opposed to kind of the way I've been doing it the last two years, which is kind of dabbling around to see if it worked or not. And I've seen enough evidence now only with my own sales and with other authors. And, and it's like every month I find another, there's another new indie author who's like making some ridiculous amount of money and doing and winning these awards and all this crazy stuff. So the stigma still exists though, because the other side of it is you have the traditional publishing com- industry, which are, you know, the majority of people I, I think still, uh, either readers or authors who still think that traditional gatekeeper, you have to be selected by somebody else to let so you can be worthy to have your story be in public, to be read and purchased by other people. In the digital world, I think that's really kind of, it's really kind of silly. It's one of the few industries still that's kind of holding on to that, too. But it seems really kind of out a really outdated mechanism, because personally, for me, the word storytelling is not something that should be guarded by anybody. I mean, if you want to tell a story, tell a story. Now, the quality of that story, how well it's produced, that's a different that's a different thing. But if you want to tell a story, you should be able to go tell a story. That's the democracy of the word, as it were. So we're going to get into that at, at some length at Agnosium, because I know a lot of people, again, who are going to be listening to this podcast are probably People who like to read or writers themselves, especially uh, self-published authors. And I can say right now, I'm enjoying writing the Kana Cold series. Um, I There's a prequel novella out for it. And then I wrote the first novel that's already came out. I think it was in March. It came out. I'm ramping up on the second book in a series and then plowing my way into the third one by the end of summer. So it's a fun series. I, I'm slowly gaining a lot of uh, fans and people who are interested in it. This podcast is going to be acknowledging some of them too. So this is partially for me and not so partially just to talk about weird stuff. Uh, But if you know, follow the advertisement at the beginning of this video, if you want to learn more about that, Uh, other weird stuff that I like to talk about is just kind of our social fabric right now. And I'm not going to get too political on this one because, in full disclosure, I'm a centrist, I guess you could call me that. Um, I, I used to be heavily Democratic. I mean, I'm a black man who grew up in Maryland, <laughs> in Baltimore, Maryland. So uh, that's pretty much means you're going to be a Democrat. You're going to be liberal. And then I hung around a lot of uh, very progressive, artsy people uh, for my teen years. And then... I noticed when that started to change, it was about when I was 25, uh, I started liking football, which was something that artsy kids who were in the gifted and talented smart classes, as I was in, weren't supposed to like that stuff. You're not supposed to like that. You're not supposed to like that manly football macho stuff. But I fell in love with the Baltimore Ravens and have been a huge fan of the Ravens ever since and then became a greater fan of football uh, and then just other things like that. So as Time went on and life experiences came around. And I think the Democratic Party and, and the left wing uh, has kind of changed over the past couple, but at least the past decade. And I started noticing some of the stuff I wasn't really cool with. I don't I'm not because I'm not really down with 
sides. I, I never have liked sides. Again, it goes back to my eclectic nature. I've never liked, well, because I identify with this, this, and this, that means those, those people are my enemy. I don't like these things. I can't watch these things. I'm not supposed to know this stuff. I don't do these things. You know, it seemed, it always seemed very limiting to me as far as life experience was concerned. It's like, well, then I can't experience these other things that are great things in the world and fun things to experience. I can't listen to certain kinds of music. I can't talk to certain kinds of people. I can't go to certain kinds of events. I can't watch certain kinds of movies because I'm supposed to be in this little box here, right? So I always hated that. And the weird thing, and it's such a weird thing today, when I was growing up, it always seemed that was always like the right wing thing. Like the right wingers were always the ones that were censoring everybody. You remember they were censoring music and they didn't like heavy metal and they didn't like rap and they wanted to censor this and censor that and, and keep people from speaking and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you were only supposed to do, you know, 2.5 kids, white picket fence, dog, house in the suburbs. And that was the only way to do and the only way to be and anything else. And you had to go to church on Sundays and that was it. You know, if you didn't do that. You were ostracized. You were out of the loop. You, we wouldn't hire you. We wouldn't do this. So the cool thing is that all of that has changed and we have shifted away from that and that it's no longer being an American uh, or especially is just one ideal. It's now multiple ideals. You know, we have rights and, and more importantly than rights, I should say, we have privileges for a lot of people. The downside of that, though, is that we're still working on an old paradigm. I think our culture right now is having a hard time shifting from the civil rights era, which for the better part, the, peop the people on the right side of history in that one won the civil rights era. And we're almost, you know, in the 80s when I was growing up, we were only 20 years separated from it. Now we're almost 50, 60 years separated from the civil rights movement. And society has progressed, but I think a lot of people still act like we're still back in the civil rights era and we still have the same issues we did. We clearly don't. We clearly don't have the same problems we have then. We still have problems. And I think you're always going to have problems. You're always going to have racism. You're always going to have bigotry. You're always going to have sexism. You're always going to have people who don't like you because of your religion or your height or your weight or your whatever it is, where you grew up, how much money you have, how much money your parents had or whatever. And I just think all of that stuff is just is so counterintuitive. And I think especially with the advances in technology now, we're worrying about all of these really petty things where we are about to embark on. And I, and I sincerely believe this in the next 20 years, we're about to like have a major jump in society and just technology is about, you know, with AI and quantum computing and all of these things and the things that we're discovering right now, things that we're discovering about the planet, things are about to shift and they're going to shift very rapidly. And we're still doing race stuff and, and gay versus straight and all this really, all the stuff that's really nonsense that should really not even be an issue anymore. We should be moving forward and worrying about new problems that we need to tackle with. But I think the tribalism is what has, is hindering us. And I think it's the people who stick with that, I think are going and this even goes back into my whole thing about the traditional to tie it back to the writing stuff, the traditional publishing versus self-publishers and, you know, people trying to div make divisions and distinctions and, and 
snottiness about it. I talked about pro wrestling earlier. There's a uh, there's a big thing going on right now in pro wrestling for people who don't know. There's uh, for some people like I think most people watch wrestling at some point in their life, either back with Hulk Hogan and The Rock and all this stuff. So right now in the pro wrestling world, there's this other company. It's like WWE, but there's this other company that's getting up off the ground right now. That's actually providing competition and in that community it's like a split between well you're on this side or that side and like it's it really seems so weird to me that there's so much of that going around about people just taking sides with things that really shouldn't be taken sides on now of course there are advantages to taking sides and there are advantages to playing sides off of each other i mean you can make a lot of money doing that look at cable news uh look at fox news look at talk radio Look at CNN, MSNBC, look at late night talk shows. There's a lot of money to be made in taking a side and adhering to tribalism and telling people what they think. It's it's appealing to very, very base things in human nature. And I again, I I'm, I think I'm becoming more of a futurist. I'm, I'm like digging stuff that I'm hearing from guys like an Elon Musk, for example. And I know there are people who have problems with Elon Musk because of his work ethic or whatever. But I, I think... People like that, and there are a lot of other th- uh, thought leaders like him, like him that are not only thinking up new things, but they're doing new things. And I think that's kind of where the future is going. And all of this stuff, again, when you when you dive into that world, all of this other stuff that's going on every single day, and all the Trump stuff, and Obama this, and Russian collusion that, and just Jussie Smollett, and uh, MAGA hat kid, and all of these. You know, what's Kim Kardashian think about this? And what does this celebrity think about that? And people making great. All that stuff seems so primitive, given what's coming. And to know that we're what direction we're going in with the world. All of that stuff seems so primitive and pointless. But I but the majority of the population is there. And I don't know. I think it's going to a lot of people wonder where it's all going, where all this division and tribalism is going. I think it's going to just peter itself out i think at a certain point in time the trend seems to be amongst people who are thinking uh to kind of put all that crap in the back in the rearview mirror and it's like that stuff doesn't is not relevant anymore um and if you are no matter what side you're taking in it whether you're a white supremacist or you're somebody who guilt shames white people into whatever whatever it is uh, if you're taking any kind of side like that, and that's the basis of your what tribal tribe you're identifying with, that's going to be looked at as like you know, cavemen drunk, dragging her knuckles across the ground, and you know, making finger paintings on on the inside of walls of caves. I mean, it's I really do believe it may may not happen in my lifetime, maybe near the end of my lifetime, but I definitely think um, if we can curtail some of this PC culture and some of the uh, ultra right right wing stuff that's going on out there. If those two extremes can be kind of curtailed and people can kind of wake up from that tribalism, I think at certain point we're going to look at that stuff as just being obsolete, which to me it already is. And I think that's where that intellectual dark web thing comes from. It's just, I think that's kind of the better definition of it. It's just a bunch of people from a bunch of different political beliefs who just think that making enemies out of each other because of it is just an obsolete thing. And we should just be exchanging ideas and thoughts and trying to move towards where we can all benefit and we can all be better. So because if you get rid of 
well, I'm not going to do that, let you do this because you're black, or I'm not going to let you do this because you're gay, or I'm not going to let you do this even because you're white, you're white, Christian, and male, you know, whatever that is. Any of that stuff, if we can get away, and once you sweep all that stuff away, and then you talk about what's actually happening with the planet, what's actually happening with economics, what's actually happening with uh, food distribution, with diseases, with uh, you know the the vaccines, the, the anti-vax stuff that's going on, when you strip a lot of the archaic stuff away, we can really get to solutions, and I think that's where uh, the future lies. But that's a good kind of encapsulation of what I'm going to be talking about on this podcast. Everything from social stuff. We're going to be talking about some fun movie stuff. Of course, the Avengers, the Marvel's movies are ending soon. So we're going to talk about a little bit about movies in some episodes. We're going to talk about self-publishing in some episodes. We're going to talk about sports in some episodes. We're going to talk a lot about technology and about social and political uh, uh, things of the time and of the moment on this show. So, I appreciate you guys for checking out this introductory episode. Now, we will have, I do have a mailing list that I am setting up for this uh, podcast. So you can go to my website, uh, the blog of my website, which is blog.aoestudios.com. That is blog, B L O G dot aoestudios.com. And you can go there. Check out some of the, uh, all the episodes are going to be archived there. Some of the past articles I've written, some articles other people have written. Uh, and that's a good way to keep up with the show and what we're going to be talking about and some just random articles and things that I'll be linking to there uh, and some of the people that will be appearing on the show. So the first episode we're going to have will be next week. It's going to be with Marion Bennett, who is a who is the woman who was born with the backwards heart and was somewhat of an anomaly for the people at Johns Hopkins University. And her story is very, very interesting and and how that all panned out for her. So that'll be the first episode next week. Stay tuned for that one. And I'll be announcing all the episodes every single week as we go on and experience real people in an unreal world on this, the Wonderfully Weird Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next time. Behave yourselves, people. Behave.